That's the sound of search and rescue vehicles preparing to enter Bismarck House Mill in Oldham. The mill burnt down in May and at the time was suspected to be empty, but over the weekend human remains were found by demolition workers brought in to clear the rubble away. On Tuesday night, a second body was found. It is thought the remains belong to Vietnamese nationals, possibly trafficked into the UK to work in a cannabis farm in a derelict corner of the building. The search is ongoing. This is the Manchester Weekly from The Mill. Hello, I'm Daryl Morris with Yoshi Herman, the editor of The Mill. Hello, Yoshi. Hi. Got a lot to get through this week, including that really harrowing story from Oldham, human remains found in a mill there a couple of months on from a fire. We'll get to Oldham shortly to figure out what could have happened there. Uh, also this week, we're, we're hearing from uh, the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police, relatively new in the job, uh, his first big interview. We'll talk about buses and a significant development from Castlefield Viaduct as well to get to shortly. Lots and lots going on in Greater to Manchester this week. But firstly, Yoshi, you've been moaning about Manchester's coffee shops, haven't you? What's wrong with Manchester's coffee shops? Well, there are no good ones, is the problem. That's, <laughs> really? That's not, main, not at all? The general standard of them is, is really poor. Yeah, I had a very minor rant in, in one of our editions this week. I was writing this kind of editor's edition where I write about, you know, seven or eight different things I'm reading and thinking about. And the point that I made is that I haven't found a coffee shop in Manchester that I really like. They seem to be kind of bland, very similar in style, these kind of sleek furniture, you know, concrete exposed sort of floors, coffee cups that don't have a handle on them, all that sort of stuff. But there's nothing kind of atmospheric and characterful. So I I wrote a little thing about this, and since then, dozens of people literally have commented under that story, suggesting places or agreeing. A lot of people have actually mentioned that there used to be these kind of European-style coffee shops in Manchester, but that they didn't work out. And in fact, one person wrote in who runs coffee shops and said, basically, it's really, really, really hard to make coffee shops work economically. And effectively, people who sit there for four hours on their laptops and have one latte are the the reason you can't make the numbers work. He he, he literally did all the working, so I'm going to put that in one of our our newsletters coming up. But yeah, I think it's a a huge disappointment about Manchester that we don't have any good ones, but there may be sort of structural reasons why that's the case and why they're all chains. Okay. Coffee shop revolution on the horizon then. Listen, let's um, let's get to Oldham, Yoshi, and some really horrible news, really sad news. Human remains found there after a fire in a mill a few months ago. Uh, as it stands, as we record, at least two victims, uh, many pointing to the recent disappearance of four Vietnamese nationals in the area. What more do we know so far, Yoshi? Well, Jack's been up there for a couple of days this week and has written a piece. But effectively, there was a fire in this mill on the 7th of May. And what happened was that demolition workers discovered these human remains on Saturday the 23rd of July, so recently. As you say, it was initially the remains that suggested perhaps one person. Then this week, officers seemed to find remains that they thought might have indicated a second person. One of the police officers involved said that they're carrying out an extensive search of the remnants of the mill to ensure any further human remains are recovered in a way which is respectful to both the deceased and the bereaved. Now, when Jack was there he saw a group of Vietnamese people being let into the mill by the police. He initially thought they were journalists, but we now think that they were representatives of the embassy in in the UK, the the Vietnamese embassy. So clearly this is a major story. It's been massively cordoned off, as I think we'll hear from Jack in a minute. One slightly concerning thing, I think, is that 
there are lots of rumours flying around of this. And I think there's inaccurate information flying around on, on Twitter. And so what the police have said is, we are sadly aware that speculative and inaccurate information has been reported, but can reassure those affected that Greater Manchester Police will provide updates at appropriate times, having verified the information. So... It seems like a really sad story here. There's speculation about what kind of outfit this might have been or what the, the reason that there might have been Vietnamese people in this facility, in this mill. I think what we can say is that police seem to be linking this to the, um, the missing four Vietnamese people. They say in a statement... Though we've now recovered human remains to suggest that at least two people were in the mill during the fire, we remain conscious of the report we received on Thursday the 21st of July 2022 that four Vietnamese nationals were missing and may have been involved in a fire. So it's probably best that we stick to what the police have actually released up until now. Mm. Um, but um, Jack's been up there. Yeah, let's hear from Jack. Jack Dalhansi from the mill has been in Oldham the last few days. The fire at Bismarck House Mill started at around 2am on the 7th of May. Residents tell me they woke up to the sound of sirens and saw that the sky was red. At the time, GMP and fire services believed the building to be empty and unsafe to enter, so no search of the premises was carried out. After that, the building's owner set about having it demolished, and those demolition teams found human remains over the weekend, thought to belong to four Vietnamese nationals. Since then, the area, which is mostly storage units and tool shops, has been awash with crime scene investigation vehicles, search and rescue teams, and at one point even Vietnam's vice ambassador to the UK visited the site with a Vietnamese news team. The atmosphere on the site is eerie. Teams serving different functions move around what was the basement area of the mill, where the remains appear to mostly be. Scaffolding is being set up to obscure the view of the site. Residents tell me that the fire was caused by a cannabis farm and that the Vietnamese nationals have been trafficked in to work there. This isn't confirmed yet, but speaking to anti-trafficking experts, I've been told this situation has many of the hallmarks of previous cases, but nothing can be confirmed until the remains are properly identified. The Mills, Jack Dalhanty in Oldham for us. And Yoshi, this is um, a story you've followed, actually, for a number of years. The issue of Vietnamese nationals going missing. Yeah, so not linked to this mill, to be clear. Not linked to this specific incident, we don't think. But I wrote for The Times a couple of years ago about an extraordinary thing that I had found out about, which is that lots of teenage Vietnamese students had gone missing from private schools in what turned out to be a kind of trafficking scam almost. Traffickers were using private schools to get uh, young Vietnamese people into the country. One of the young women I found out had ended up in a nail bar in Yorkshire. Um, I went to the nail bar, I found a home office, doc someone sent me a, a home office document that proved that, that that's where she had sort of ended up. And that girl had then gone missing after that. In another case, I found a situation where someone had been in care, then had gone missing again from care, having gone missing from the private schools originally. So I think anyone who read our Mill Long Read a couple of years ago will, will know about that case, but I think we didn't have that many readers then, so not many people know about it. But there are... Lots and lots of Vietnamese people missing at any one time in the UK. If you go on the Missing People website, there are often um, profiles of Vietnamese people. And 
it is very difficult in some circumstances for the authorities to gain their trust before they go missing again because of the instructions they're under from from traffickers or or, for, or from their bosses or or, or what however it works. So it's a really I think underreported area that only gets the spotlight when you get something like dead bodies in the back of a lorry like we had a couple of years ago or an incident like the one we've got in in Manchester in, in Oldham in fact this week. Blimey, lots of Greater Manchester Police to think about and we'll we'll keep an eye on that story of course. Speaking of Greater Manchester Police, Yoshi, uh, the new-ish Chief Constable uh, Stephen Watson has been speaking for the first time or at least his first sort of proper sit-down interview since taking over the police force that was put into special measures a little while ago of course. Big job on Stephen Watson's hands. What's he been saying? Well, his his fundamental claim is that things are getting better, but it's gonna it's gonna take me a while. Effectively, he is the new broom. He was brought in from South Yorkshire to try and turn GMP around after loads of problems. A lot of the problems had to do with people calling the police and not getting an answer, or their um, incidents not being uh, dealt with effectively, or their incidents not being recorded properly. There were loads of kind of administrative problems at Greater Manchester Police, and they seemed to be led, according to um, reporting that was done in the MEN, by a sort of bad culture there, where the leadership were not facing up to the fact that their computer systems were not being integrated properly, their call centres weren't working properly, offices weren't recording crimes properly. So Stephen Watson came came in last year. He's the new broom. He says arrests are up um, quite significantly. He says the number of charges resulting from GMP work, um, from GMP police work, are also up. But he also kind of said, you know, I've got a big job on my hands and that sort of thing. And actually, since he was appointed, other police forces around the country have also been put into special measures. So it, it no longer seems as extraordinary as it did when it when it happened to, to Greater Manchester Police. I wouldn't say he said anything in the interview that was particularly insightful, but I was at this recent review into child sexual exploitation which was um, attended by him he was on the panel of the people who was talking about this review when it was published and the way he kind of presents himself the way he speaks is old school you know it's probably a little bit affected a little bit put on but he's like the old school cop he has a what sounds to me like a bit of a sort of posh accent he's kind of on the one hand very good at speaking the kind of language of 2022 about trauma and about how people feel and about kind of the emotional side of dealing with a police force that's bad you know he's good at that stuff and I think he also really presents himself as a disciplinarian. I think he had this rule when he was in South Yorkshire, you couldn't have tattoos or, you know, I, I, you had to present yourself in the right way. And so that's Stephen Watson. I've never spoken to him. I actually would like to. I'd, I think we should. We probably should do a piece on him maybe after his first year or something. But yeah, he's come in. He said the, the metrics are going in the right direction. We know from our recent reporting, we broke the story that um, frontline officers are being pulled into answer 999 calls. So we know there's still a lot of sort of recruitment and staffing pressure in the, in the, in the force. But I think it prob- he's probably right that it's only fair to judge his turnaround after a couple of years. OK, and we will. Uh, now, don't bother sitting down because I've got some news that won't shock you. A report from a think tank this week has pointed to public spending in the north of England falling behind the England average despite the government's levelling up agenda. This is IPPR North, which is a branch of the Institute for Public Policy Research. They said that uh, despite that big levelling up pledge as a central pillar of Boris Johnson's administration, money simply hasn't followed the rhetoric is the term that they used. What else have they been saying, Yoshi? 
Yeah, so IPPR North, which is a respected think tank, they looked at the per-person government spending and they compared, you know, different regions in the country. What they basically found is that the government was acting in a sort of business-as-usual fashion, that per-person public spending was um, higher in in real terms in, in Northern England in 2019 than the England average. But by 2021, the latest year of available data, it had fallen behind. My immediate reaction when reading this was a little bit sceptical, to be honest, because the pandemic has meant that the government has had to step in and do things like furlough, do things like all all the business support schemes that naturally meant that areas that had higher earners and more businesses and more productivity are going to get more government spending because that's just how those schemes work. So I was kind of a little bit surprised about how this was reported, to be honest, because actually when you dig down and you look at they did, you know, IPPR North also looked at what happens if you exclude spending on health and COVID support, right, which is those bits I was just talking about. Obviously, you're going to, you know, pandemic is going to really distort on, on those points. Uh-huh. When they did that, they found, they say, you know, the write-up say the same trend, but in fact, it was £11,505 per person public spending in 2021 in the North, up 2% on t- 2019 compared to the England average was up 3%. So sure, the North is still falling behind. There isn't any sort of discernible levelling up spend there. I think that's a fair point. But I think it looks a lot less stark than the, these headline figures that everyone was talking about. So sure, it definitely doesn't seem to be that there's a massive tr- sort of transfer of, of public spending onto um, northern residents, that's definitely the case. Did anyone actually expect that, given that what the government's always uh, proposed around around levelling up is these kind of pots of 20 million here, 30 million there? I certainly didn't. I, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not surprised by these figures. But it, yeah, it's, it's obviously a dis- disappointment generally. Okay, interesting. Really interesting to sort of drill into that detail, isn't it? And, and just briefly, the, uh, the, the, the candidates to be the new Prime Minister and Tory leader, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, were in stock earlier this week, I think, was it? It just feels like, I mean, it could have been... God, it was a never-ending <laughs> drama that is the Tory leadership race. So because I, because they were in Stoke, I guess, which is a sort of part of the Red Wall, effectively, levelling up did get a mention. Much of a mention? Well, it was interesting, actually, because these candidates really haven't talked about levelling up because Tory members generally don't really care about levelling up. It's not one of their top issues. But just the location of the event in Stoke meant that they had to. So there was this one round of questions about levelling up. Both candidates said they were incredibly committed to levelling up, but neither of them were particularly specific about how they'd do that. They talked about changing the Treasury rules, but we given to understand that that's something that's already underway. So I don't see how that's like a sort of new policy. I think the fact that they then didn't come back to that topic, as far as I can remember at all, in, in the sort of subsequent debate shows that it's not really a big thing for them. They don't talk about it a lot. I think if, you know, whoever our next Prime Minister is going to be... Um, uh, they are going to be someone who cares much less about this. Is it? Is it? It's not a policy. It's not an agenda. It's it's a sort of broad, you know, set of values. Um, I guess. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Or, or, or a broad set of sort of like attempts to to, to rebalance the country. Mm. We, I mean, I interviewed Mike Emmerich, um, the economist who used to work in Number 10. I interviewed him last year, and I actually only published the interview this week, to my eternal shame. But he has some really strong ideas for how you actually level up the country. And he says um, you have to spend a lot of money, you have to do the right things, and you have to spend a lot of money, and you have to do it at scale for a long time. That's the only way you do it. Like He talks about how London has you know, completely transformed its economy and its public services, um, it, 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 its public transport, sorry. And it's like lots and lots and lots of spending from the government since the 1970s. Mm. He 
he's very, very clear about that point. It's not like choose between Northern Powerhouse Rail and HS2. It's like do both of them and invest more in health and invest more in education. And eventually you will get to a point um, where places like Greater Manchester are no longer a sort of net drain on the economy, but actually can start really contributing. Okay, you can read more from him. Uh, ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you go and you can subscribe to the Mill's journalism there as well. Just extremely briefly. So I've got one more point to ask you about yeah. this because I'm really fascinated by this. Mm. The, the, uh, this group of Northern newspapers uh, we saw this week sort of sending a message to the Tory leaders about the north of England and don't forget levelling up and you know those that basically what they have done which is sort of forgetting levelling up criticising them for that the Bolton News Oldham Chronicle Lancashire Telegraph is sort of a group of newspapers all running the same headline this is a stunt that we've sort of seen two or three times I think even this year alone uh, Yoshi does that kind of thing resonate does it work I suppose it depends who the audience for it is. I think if it's about geeing up a sense of sort of solidarity among readers in the North about what the really big issues are that they should be lobbying for and campaigning for and asking their politicians about, I think it maybe could work. So, for example, on the quite boring question, but very important question of Northern Powerhouse Rail, when they did one of these Northern newspaper stunts about that, all these joint front pages, it kind of got people talking about an issue that a lot of ordinary people don't really know about. I think when you do it so often as they do it now, it does lose some of its power. And I do wonder, if you think about the other audience, conservative politicians who've been in government for an awfully long time, I don't know if seeing front pages from newspapers where the, the, the government knows, you know, are pretty hostile to them. You I mean, you see some of these political editors for these local papers behaving on Twitter like they're kind of political activists. Tories are evil for this reason, that reason. I'll get 10,000 retweets if I say the Tories are evil in this new, clever, funny way. Like, I don't know. I kind of think it debases those titles. And I think it makes the government much less likely to listen to them on anything because they just see them as sort of hostile regional press and frankly like declining regional press as well so i wouldn't expect that people in rishi sunak's team are <laughs> ripping up what they want to do in government if he becomes prime minister or, or liz truss's team because of these of these newspapers but i could be wrong okay just while we're on northern transport quick bit of bus chat if you'll allow because there's been a victory this week yoshi for andy burnham following the rejection of a legal challenge against his as bus reforms or bus what do you say bus i say bus but what do you say buzz Okay. Very right. northern buzz. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the Court of Appeal upheld his decision to bring in those services under uh, public control after a, um, an appeal from Stagecoach and others. Is that it then? Full steam ahead for Andy Burnham's bus reforms? I don't actually know. I don't think I know enough about the legalities to say it's full steam ahead. But certainly there was a legal challenge by one of the bus companies, Rotala, towards uh, the way in which this was done. That What they were trying to do was poke holes in how Andy Burnham chose to make the decision to franchise the buses. That It looks like that has not been successful. I mean, they were pushed back in the courts and then the Court of Appeal has upheld that. So it looks like it is full steam ahead um, for Annie Burner's bus reforms. But um, whether there could be another challenge or something, I'm actually not sure. I guess we just need to wait and see. OK, now we spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks, Joshi, talking about your obsession of Piccadilly Gardens. Uh, to my obsession, if you'll allow, just for one week at least, Castlefield Viaduct, which I'm so fascinated with, that big structure that runs through Castlefield adjacent 
listen to Dean's Gate, sort of big, ugly relic of the past that some people love and others hate. Mm. We've been talking a little bit, haven't we, about how that's being regenerated, and um, it opens this week. Yeah, I'm actually getting into your pet project because it does does, does look really good. Uh, So it's opening this week. It's a National Trust trial or like, you know, pilot project to see if you could create a sort of garden in the sky along this viaduct. And it's a little bit like the the High Line in New York, which I've walked along a lot when I lived in New York, although it's much, much shorter than that. (laughs) The slight disappointment for me is that they've announced that the number of people allowed on the viaduct at any one time will be limited to 20. So there'll be 100 tickets available per day split across 45-minute slots. Hopefully, I think that's to do with the age of the viaduct and the structure and stuff, but I don't really understand it. Hopefully that is a sort of temporary thing while they're doing the pilot for the next few months to make sure everything works okay. Because I think if that was a long-term thing, it would take it from being like a real resource that people could use, like a living space, to a bit of a kind of... Not a gimmick, but it would make it a little bit more of like the viaduct experience rather than like I want to go and hang out with my friends and walk around the lovely flowers in the viaduct. There are loads and loads of different flowers. Someone told me about how many different uh, species of flowers are it, but the, the, the pictures look wonderful. I'm going to try and head up there this weekend if the National Trust will let me and record some audio of the first people like walking down there and stuff. So right. hopefully we can hear about it from next week. But no, I'm a massive fan of it. I mean, more more green spaces, more innovative use of, of Manchester's um, industrial um, spaces and, and legacy. No, I think it, it looks really good. Yes, great. I've won you over. Brilliant. Um, and finally, 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 Yoshi, should Manchester host Eurovision? Definitely. Get it in. <laughs> well, it's coming to the UK. Manchester are going to bid. Yeah, I think everyone's bidding. It was supposed to be in the Ukraine, but they obviously can't host it. Um, they won it, but they can't host it because of the war. So Sheffield is bidding and Manchester's bidding and Liverpool's bidding. I'm sure everyone is. Clearly, Manchester has a great case right because of the musical history but like the the venues and the the hospitality and everything here but do I do you think do you think Manchester has too strong a case <laughs> it, do, do, do you know what I mean though right the, the, this sort of like instinct this sort of reflex that if something's going to be outside London it's going to be here in Manchester do you think is it sort of start, starting to shift a little bit and thinking well, well actually maybe there are other parts of the country that could now do with a little bit of Love, you know. Yeah, I actually think there are people in Liverpool in particular who think Manchester's just a bit arrogant. And so, same in Sheffield. Like, I was reading a piece on a, on a website called Liverpoolitan um, recently about how, like, they've basically accepted, a lot of people in Liverpool have accepted, yeah, Manchester is going to be the capital of the North, or at least this writer has accepted that. And we need to carve ourselves a new kind of identity. So I think people do, the success of Manchester and the profile it gets in the media as well has made a lot of people a little bit resentful of, of, of yeah, oh, the assumption is it should be Manchester because it's not London. But there are loads of people in Liverpool lobbying for it. Actually, the, the politicians in Liverpool, like the mayor, Joanne Anderson, and lots of others have been tweeting about it for days now. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that it should be Manchester, but clearly it would be brilliant because it's just a massive economic boost. It'd be a lot of fun. Like you can imagine like you could imagine being around the city and being in the gay village and being in the city centre if, if, if Eurovision came here. And uh, Manchester's obviously pretty well set up to do it. So, yeah, fingers crossed, I guess. Okay. Are lovely. you a big uh, Eurovision? I'm not, but, I, but I'm not. But then when it's on... I Have you re- ever watched it? I get really into it, yeah. Oh, okay. Just sort of just specifically on the night that it's on, I end up getting really into it I enjoyed this one this one was good wasn't it it was very exciting it was, we were in the mix and yeah. you know great great victory for Ukraine I think it'd be great to have it in Manchester really good it'd be a great buzz I think um, okay Yoshi uh, what's going on in the mill newsroom what else are you working on we are putting together this homelessness story that we've been working on for a long time. I feel like I've said that about five times, but it has taken a lot of work. So we're trying to give readers a, a better insight into homelessness. And we've also got a really interesting piece by a new freelancer 
called Jack Chadwick. He's written about an, an author who is from Manchester slash Rochdale and who was very, very popular in his day and then he fell away and there's this kind of mystery uh, um, about the story. I'm, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a really lovely long read about sort of bringing back, reviving the novels of a Manchester author that were once really popular and that have fallen by the wayside and one young man's kind of quest to do that and, 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 and to, to correct the historical record and to do a, a writer justice. So I think that would be a great piece. I think we're going to run it this weekend, but actually until about lunchtime on a Friday, I never know what we're going to run. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, hopefully. Okay. Uh, Manchestermill.co.uk is where you can maybe read that piece over the weekend and uh, but certainly subscribe to get it in your inbox as soon as it does land and everything else you need to know from around Greater Manchester. Manchestermill.co.uk, including some events and things to do around the city, Yoshi. Caught your eye on anything that we should be up to this weekend? I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to be doing. My sister's coming up this weekend. Okay, she's, are we all coming to that? She's called Nina. Yeah, you're very welcome to hang out with us. <laughs> and on Saturday, she's a big football fan, but obviously right. the Premier League season hasn't started yet. She's a Newcastle fan. So we're going to go to a game at one of the following four venues that you can pick for me. We're going to play at home. Okay. Rochdale playing at home. Stockport County are playing at home. Yeah. And Salford yes. are playing at home. Salford City, yeah. Sol- uh, Salford City, yeah. Gary Neville's team. Uh-huh. So I want to go to one of them. I think Rochdale's going to be my new team after we did that long read about, the, you know, the fans that fought back against the evil owners and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, the, the evil takeover. So I'm thinking... Rochdale, but which one would you go Well, for? as a Bolton fan, I am repulsed at the idea of you following anybody other than Bolton. But they're away, of course. They? they are away at Ipswich, unfortunately, this weekend, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, the start, it's basically the start of the lower league Yeah, the EFLs, yeah, the, the sort of League 1, League, league 2 yeah. championship. Um, well, I think the championship's another week away, isn't it? Well, no, I don't think it is, because Wigan are playing this weekend. Oh, yes, they are, of course, yeah. yes. And Wigan got promoted, didn't they, ahead mm. of us last season, our arch rivals. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks for the reminder. Uh, so definitely Wigan is out. Uh, Rochdale, <laughs> uh, Oldham. <laughs> mm. I, am a, I live in Salford, so I would say Salford City. And, you know, nice story attached to them and the rise and rise of Salford City, etc. So I'd give them a go. And if any of our listeners have Sky, there's that um, Gary Neville show, which is like a week-by-week documentary of running football club and running Salford. So I thought that was quite interesting. Very insightful. Um, Okay, speaking as we were about uh, Eurovision of big events in the city, it's Comic Con in Manchester this weekend. So expect, I'm not really into that, but but what I do like is sort of seeing people in costume, in sort of cosplay, doing stuff around I'm actually going to go along to it. Are you really? Yeah, I should have said that as well. Oh, my cousins has a stall there um oh. can't remember what she's selling but some sort of arty cool stuff and uh, she said uh, she can bring me along oh. whisk me in so i'm gonna go along with my sister nice excellent um so if that's your bag uh, that's happening all across the city this weekend uh, also a big gig at the auto apollo peter hook and the light are performing peter hook's new music um venture if you're into that uh, there's some still some tickets for that at the auto and obviously there's uh, there's a little festival in castlefield um that, that you can read about if you if you looked at our monday briefing there's some details about this f- little festival in Castlefield, and obviously the um, the Castlefield Viaduct is opening. God, yes. we've never done so many recommendations, but it's called uh, Street Theatre with a Twist. This this festival, Castlefield Follies, will be putting on a weekend of wicked, weird, and wonderful performances at the Roman Fort Arena and around Castlefield. So, yeah, there's a, an absolute ton of things going on. It's brilliantly weird. The Castlefield Follies, really, really worth a watch. Nice. Um, okay, that's it from us. Uh, we are back in your podcast feed this weekend. We're going to be in conversation with music journalist Frank Owen, who grew up in Manchester, had a front row seat to the Manchester. 
Manchester music scene in the 70s and the 80s, left for uh, university in the 80s, went to New York and returned to Manchester 35 years later. His reflections on how Manchester has changed. It's a fascinating interview with a fascinating guy. On Sunday, in your podcast feed, just hit subscribe to the Manchester Weekly. Uh, we'll land in your podcast feed every Thursday and every Sunday. And don't forget to subscribe to The Mill's brilliant journalism as well. More of this stuff direct to your inbox. ManchesterMill.co.uk. 